Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm here with a very special guest, Dalton Wesley Goins Macbeth. And if you can say all of that in one sentence and put it on a driver's license, good for you. Good for you. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about Dalton. Uh, Dalton was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and developed cerebral palsy shortly after birth due to being born at 27 weeks. He was raised in southeastern Ohio in two Pentecostal denominations, the Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee, and the Assemblies of God. As he grew up, He was curious about faith and started to discern a call to ministry after being baptized at five and starting to speak in tongues at eight. When he was 15, Dalton moved to Nicaragua and served as a Pentecostal missionary for a year during his senior year of high school. The next six years, he spent at Lee University, the Church of God College, studying a B.A. in teaching English to speakers of other languages, a B.A. in theology, and an M.A. in theology. During this process, he also became an ordained minister in the Church of God. Since 2018, he has had to wrestle with queerness, racism, Christian nationalism, and COVID-19 in a way that has led him to settle and seek ordination in the United Methodist Church. He is an avid reader, history buff, traveler, Cincinnati and Ohio State sports fan, Grey's Anatomy fan, and a Swifty. And for those who are not in the know, a Swifty is a Taylor Swift fan. Am I right? Yes, you are. I had to ask my wife. <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm sad to say, although I love Taylor Swift, I did not know that her very best friends and fans are called Swifty. So I'll, I'll, I'll claim that one. <laughs> So, Dalton, welcome to the Gay yeah. with God podcast. I'm so happy you, that you're here. <laughs> Tell us your story. Yes, I'm glad to be here, too. Thank you. Um, well, it's it's interesting where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was, my mom was induced um, at when I was 27 weeks old. Um, so I was a preemie, and I spent three months in the NICU before coming mm-hmm. home um, Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Um, so that that really, that was in, and, you know, going at Pentecostal churches, there was a lot of prayer meetings and things related to that and related to me, my birth. And um, it was really a miracle. I still believe it's a miracle um, that I came through that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, so that was always a part of my story and my personal consciousness. Uh, growing up. Um, I always asked about faith. I always knew that God loved me. It was something that I knew from as early as three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I remember when I was a kid, my, so I had, I had a Bible. I, I don't know what kind of Bible it was. I don't remember. But I do remember using the little refrigerator 
in our uh, um, preschool class um, and putting it on there and just like, you, you know, telling people that Jesus loved them during like our uh, show and tell or something like that. <laughs> That's sweet. When I was really little. <laughs> so um, apparently the teachers called my mom or something. He's like, hey, be you're doing religion in the public school. Uh, I didn't know any different. Today I would have, I would feel very different, but back then I didn't know any different. Right. Um, so I did that. And growing up, like, um, I always had people tell me I was going to preach, all that sort of thing. Uh, and But related to that, um, that I realized later on in my life was there was, so I, because I was cerebral palsy and I was raised in Pentecostal churches, there was also always this expectation of supernatural healing. Uh. Um, every single week, um, people would come up to me and pray for me um, for this healing. Um, and I had a close enough, you know, a strong enough relationship with God that I would always wonder what's wrong, you know, right. why aren't I being healed? Right. Um, like if God really loves me and God really has to calm my life, you know, what's going on here? There were nights where I would weep about that. I would cry. And I wouldn't know what to do. Um, so fast forward and I'm, you know, I go to Nicaragua because um, my parents were called to be missionaries there and I experienced the people. I was also raised in a very solid, deep red Republican home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, with that, like, um, you know, I, I was the kid that, you know, when I wasn't reading my Bible, I was watching either Fox News or the History Channel. Oh, my. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that raised me in certain ways um, sure. to view the world in a lot of very particular conservative ways, even so much that the first website I ever designed was a blog about like Christian politics or something like that, mm -hmm. that I kept up with for, like three months ago. I, yeah, I did. The, I was the kid that like, I, I watch, I, I, I consider myself smart enough. I, I watched C-SPAN mm -hmm. and then I tried to do some type of like theological analysis of C-SPAN. Wow. A few times. You're just you're so just was, smart. <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> it was uh yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh but I went to Nicaragua and what really happened is um well I was there during you know, I moved there in 2012. Um and so you know, it was the middle of, you know, election season here in the US and all that sort of thing and it really shook my world in terms of just how impoverished people are. Mm. How how different people are, how marginalized people are, but how happy they still are, mm. um, regardless of the circumstances they're in and all that sort of thing. And then when I went to college, that was one of the first things cracks for me was um, theologically was realizing that, um, and this came up for me in 2015 when people started running for president, you know, Donald Trump and Marco mm -hmm. Rubio. I was a initially. Um, in the Republican primaries, while I was still considered myself a Republican, I was an avid supporter of Marco Rubio because that was one of the things that had changed. The only thing, the thing that started to shift was that I realized that we in America, we really need immigration reform because from my personal perspective, I could no longer see people who were 
you know, who I loved, who I was ministering to, all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they crossed the U.S. border, I was supposed to hate them. And I realized that, no, that's that's just inconsistent. And I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was this dynamic, too, of like, you know, in my ESOL classes, uh, you know, my English teaching classes, you know, I was learning all these skills about, you know, teaching English to immigrants and, um, you know, caring for them and um, all that sort of thing. And so there was that. And then at the same time, um, taking undergraduate and graduate coursework in theology um, certainly changed my perspective on a whole range host of issues. Um, And it kind of opened the door to a lot of lot of things. Um, I remember I took a class junior year on Catholic theology, and I read some of the Vatican II documents, um, you know, from the council in the 60s. And that basically opened my mind to the possibility that, like, the church was not only meant as an institution that was meant to um, isolate itself from the world, but Mm -hmm. it was also meant to go out and serve the world. And then I had a similar realization when it came to, I took a feminist theology class and I realized that I wasn't raised egalitarian, but that certainly didn't feel right anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, this is, yeah, this is, this is wrong. The way people are setting these things up. And I, I mean, the power, I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit equally, if not more powerfully with women. Mm-hmm. than I did with men and mm-hmm. so for my both my theological and personal experience that radically changed that and that really set up my framework um going into um grad school um and then in grad school something huge happened um was that so before I came out um I you know became an ally and that process was um, my best friend and roommate, who was also in the graduate program with me. He came out to me as bi. Okay. Um, my first year of grad school, and I decided that I didn't know how to deal. Like I didn't know how to process that mentally and theologically. Mm-hmm. But I knew that the person he was hadn't changed. Right. And the call on his life hadn't changed mm. um and so for me it was an example of just uh, of loving him and interacting with him faithfully and true as a friend um that really opened my heart to the possibilities that then having the academic background i was willing to do all the research i needed to do mm-hmm. to come to the conclusions um yeah. Because I was just that type of diligent person. Yeah. Um, but I think that happens with a lot of people is they don't they don't come around until they really know someone. Mm-hmm. So they really have a deep relationship with someone who identifies in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it, at this yeah. point in your life, as you're going to school and you're studying all these things and you're and you're having questions about healing, and now you've met someone who's bi, did your parents or family members have any inkling that you were on this spiritual journey, basically, that you were 
you were kind of opening up and experiencing things that you wouldn't have been experiencing back in in the home church? <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically my parents, like, they were always proud of my education and proud mm-hmm. that I was learning about things about God and all that sort of thing. But they, um, I didn't really share uh, a ton with them until after grad school, okay. actually. Okay. So what happened, ended up happening was uh, after grad school in 2019, no, it would have been 2020. 2019, I graduated with my master's. I went to Nicaragua. I served there for six months. I decided I couldn't serve there anymore. And after that, COVID happened. Uh-huh. So, uh, and nobody served. <laughs> yeah, no one served anywhere. So while Sorry. I was in COVID, I was stuck in a house, thankfully with friends. But like, uh-huh. yeah, it was it was a really tense and difficult time. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of questions about life arose. Yeah. Um, and what I was doing, what I was going to do. Thankfully, I was in counseling during that time. So I was able to process through some of those mm-hmm. things. Um, but during that time, that September, actually, my parents um, decided to remove me. That was part of their board of directors mm-hmm. of their ministry in Nicaragua. And they decided to remove me because I refused to vote for Donald Trump. <gasps> no way. Yes. Wow. Like, they didn't even know anything about me supporting queer people. All they know is I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump, and they removed me from Oh, my goodness. How... <laughs> I mean, I've heard of things similar to that, but oh, my goodness. Yeah, and also, as far as the board of directors go, I'm the only person who was theologically trained. Wow. Wow. And just because... Uh... And and so they made you tell them who you were voting for, or did you tell them yourself? Well, basically, I on social media, I was pretty vocal about okay. asking Republican asking Republicans to support someone else. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so that was their clue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I I was like I was still in the I was in the I'm voting at the time at that time I was in the I'm voting for Biden because. I can't vote for Trump category. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it, it was, you know, one of those things. And they chose their supporters. They chose the opinions of the people that support them over me. Um, mm. And that um, that still has ramifications to this day. I'm sure um, it does. Currently, currently, I am not speaking with them. I'm speaking mm. with my siblings. Um, Mm -hmm. and reason, uh, and I'm recently, I'm in the process of changing the spelling of my last name, um, Macbeth back to the original spelling, um, the Scottish spelling, um, because one, it's not, um, my, yeah. So they spell M-C-B-E-A-T-H. I'll be spelling Mm M-A-C-B-E-T-H, um, because that one, like I don't want to be associated with them particular anymore, but also I'm finding richness in my long, my ancient spiritual heritage mm. that I do want to connect with. Oh, nice. Um, and I, the way I think about it is I, I believe in the communion of saints and I believe that there are generations of my family who are cheering me on, mm-hmm. um, even when my family's not. Good for you. 
Good for you. So, so that had to have hurt on a very deep level. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah, are you it, dealing it, with it that really now? Did. Yeah. Um, I deal with it. I mean, really, it's just finding networks of people who are willing to support me now and mm -hmm. willing to invest in me now. Um, the two friends that came out to me during grad school are still some of my closest and best friends. Oh. Um, they're spread out. One of them's in Tennessee now. One of them still. One of them's in D.C. But I, um, you know, I, I talk to them at least once a week. And we kind of, we all, you know, support each other um, a lot and, and that sort of thing. Um, and um, so going from that point, I guess after all that, I, I came to, and then the last straw for me was honestly my church. Um, uh, my church left, or my church was a pretty big church there in Cleveland, Tennessee, um, multiple thousands of people. Mm. Uh, and they had a service in the middle of COVID. Um, they closed the church and opened it back up. And when they opened it back up, I was there. I was singing in the choir. I was very involved. So, yeah, I was in, um, for all your other listeners, yeah, I was in the same choir as Cody College during college. Okay. And I was in that choir. Yeah, okay. I was in the choir for 11 semesters. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a great, um, great experience. Uh, but the only thing, uh, but they did kind of wheel me out as the disabled kid. That sort of thing where it was like, so I would never have any responsibilities in the choir, okay? But they would bring me out front and ask me to talk about when I was a baby, like to testify, um, you know, during during the service and that sort of thing. Um, so I actually wrote a paper on that in grad school about how that was hypocritical. It, it was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. To process that um, mm -hmm. emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, it was actually a philosophy paper. So that was interesting. Um, but... I get to that, but this this choir that was in in, in my um, church, um, I was singing that choir for a few months, and then we had a COVID outbreak, and there were fifteen people that died in our congregation. Oh my goodness! With within like two weeks. Oh my! And the church kept on going. The church kept on going like nothing happened. Oh man! And I was like, nope, I can't do this anymore. The other fact that I left out with that was right before that happened, um, my sister, my sister's best friend, um, ended her life, oh. and um, that was a tricky situation. Um, but her, um, there were people who would who were saying that she was in hell. Oh, um, at her funeral, and. The combination of all those sort of things, I just couldn't take it anymore. I decided, no, I can't. I can't be here. During grad school, I had the philosophy of, I'm called to reform my church. But once I realized that wasn't possible, mm -hmm. I decided I had to leave. Yeah. Um. So I looked around. Um. I knew I wanted to be in a city for a while. So I found um, Capitol, Capitol Hill United Methodist um, Church on Capitol Hill. And uh, 
it was really it was really interesting um, to go there to feel accepted for who I am right away. Um, the to not feel any of the ableism, mm -hmm. um, to not feel any of the like just harm or to know that all queer people are accepted for who they are. Um, and then to be able to plug into their small groups and that sort of thing, do the sort of thing I love doing with church and all that sort of thing. So I was there for about a year. I was doing some seminary there. I'm taking a kind of sabbatical right now okay. from my Methodist seminary. Um, but I was there for a year. Um, and now I'm currently back in Cincinnati. Uh, just, yeah, making ends meet and, um, you know, working through the starting the ordination process. Um, how this intersects with my own queerness is that about a year ago, I realized that, realized that I was queer because I looked up my experiences and, and realized it was a category of something. Um, so I am what, what they call, so asexuality is the, is where people do not have any sexual attraction. Um, but there's a spectrum on that. Okay. Um, and I am what they call um, demi-romantic. So what that means is that it takes a long time for me to make so an emotional connection with someone. And I have to have a very deep emotional connection with someone uh, before I'm willing to um, date that person. Um, so what that means practically for me is most of the time I end up falling in love with some of my best friends. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it doesn't always work out because that's not up front and because I don't have, you know, boundaries, all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of dynamics with that. Um, but it really just expressed to me some of the ways that I was not... Um, did not fit the mold. Um, and also I relate to a lot of more queer things simply because partially because of that and then partially due to my disability because I'm not, you know, a man's man, sporty, you know, right. I like sports, but not able to play them and not able to do a lot of those sort of things. And then expressing myself, I'm expressing myself with a lot more colors. Um, and also realizing that normal, like not normal, because there is no such thing as normal. <laughs> That's the other thing I've learned. Um, most um, typical, so I still identify as heterosexual, but most typical heterosexual males are not obsessed with Taylor Swift. <laughs> That would unless probably be Travis true. Kelsey, unless you're Travis Kelsey, that's a new development. Okay, um, that's right. <laughs> Just so, watch football; you'll find out. <laughs> you'll find out. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's all those things, kind of. And I, I went to Pride this year in Cincinnati. Oh, good. And I felt at home in a way oh. that I hadn't felt. Um, in a long time mm -hmm. and so that's kind of how I knew that even though I'm a small part of the community and 
I'm not as discriminated against as part of the community that I belong and I can advocate as part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. You're fantastic. May I just say <laughs> that you are like a, you are like this total package of being intelligent and sensitive and aware. I mean, there's just so many facets of, of who you are and how you decide to show up in the world and what you've been through, um, which has been for, since birth, as you said, you've been through a lot since birth, but how you've handled bringing your queerness into the space of your spirituality that you I'm I'm trying to find the right words how how it's in my head but it's not coming out of my mouth but I'm so impressed with how you've gone through pretty strict as you described it red family members and red church a very strict upbringing and and to be told by your parents that you're out of the business because of who you vote for I mean that's the that's the kind of narrow mindedness that you have just broken the mold of. I mean, you came out of a narrow-minded situation and you are you are just blossoming in this this gift that God has given you to be aware of who you are at your core and live that. I'm just so impressed with you, Dalton. Yeah, thank you. I I do feel like I'm blossoming in a way and I'm uh, mm. like becoming who I'm meant to be. Um, mm -hmm. And that is who right now that's pursuing ordination in the United Methodist Church as an ordained elder um, so that I can serve churches and I can do communion and I can do weddings and all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. um, another big part of that is giving back. I want to give back um, by starting a nonprofit um, called the International Association of Reconciling Pentecostals and Charismatics mm -hmm. that um, advocates for the full inclusion of LGBTQ people um, in Pentecostal spaces when they can be and bring them out of it into more affirming spaces when they can't be that allows them to also fully express their um charismatic gifts in, a, in mm -hmm. fully realizing themselves both mentally, bodily, um, intellectually, spiritually, all those things together. Um, yeah. In a holistic way. Wow. So, so when you chose the Methodist church, were you aware of the crisis they were in at that time? Yeah. We're still in the crisis. Yeah. Um, uh, so when I chose the United Methodist church, I did so because I knew that I was someone who bridges the gap. Good for you. I am someone who comes from this very conservative space. Yeah. Who's come into this very progressive understanding of God. And I knew that I could be a voice for keeping my church together. Oh, gosh, I love that. I love that. Mm, good on you. Good on you. Yeah. So let me go back for just a minute to to your family, because I I can still feel maybe I'm feeling what I, I think you're feeling, but I can still feel that that's a huge loss for you because that 
that was something that you were very invested in, not only as a family member, but but as a, a religious component of your life and, and the business. Yeah. And so even though you've you've separated yourself and given yourself space to heal, what does reconciliation look like in the future for you, do you think? Will there be reconciliation with your family or will you need to keep those boundaries so that you can do the the work that you're put on this earth to do? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. the, the thing about it is, is I'm committing myself to being queer, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, being open to, um, you know, dating queer women, to advocating, and then for advocating for LGBTQ inclusion in the church. Mm-hmm. And that's still to be seen um, how that will play out with my family um my parents i don't i don't have much hope Mm -hmm. i believe that they could change that they could open up but i'm not i'm not betting on it um Mm -hmm. i do have more hope with my siblings that as time develops and as they grow as society shifts, as mm-hmm. all these sort of things, that their minds will be opened up to a little bit more, that even if they do not agree fully with me in their lifetimes, that they will be able to know that I'm still trying to faithfully serve God mm-hmm. and doing good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, to be honest, I want to be a safe space uh, for any other of my family members who would ever come out current or future generations Mm -hmm. um so i think that's the best way for me to live out right now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i hear you and i and i think you're doing doing this beautifully that that there's no contention there it's just that you've you've realized that that's a closed door right now and you still have to do the work you're put on this earth to do and sometimes we do have to kind of separate ourselves from people who are trying to squash us and not allow us mm. to fully live to our purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a requirement for me. It's caused a lot of grief. Yeah. It has also opened doors in me having to start to build chosen family mm-hmm. and start to want to help reform the church so that queer people have chosen. Family. Yes. Yes. Good for you. Wow. That's amazing. I'm just impressed with you all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's just, it's me coming into my own, coming into who God has created mm-hmm. me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, my gifts, my talents. Um, you know, I, I think that advocating in both advocacy, you know, the church, the academy are things, areas that I'm going to really be able to invest in and hopefully, you know, make an impact for my generation of the church Mm -hmm. um, to where no one, no one has to go through what I've been through. They know there's always other options. They know that there's a God who unconditionally loves them and wants them to be who they truly are um, in community. And that that's, that that's what matters that, what Paul says is true, that that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. See, you're already preaching. Yeah. I love it. 
I love it. Well, and, and, you know, from the, the place that you're in right now, all doors are open to you because yeah. you've chosen to walk through them. And that's the whole point that when we see where we're expecting, expected to go, we still have the choice if we go through the door or if we don't. And you have been yes, all over the place. You just kept going. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. And I like how you shifted when one door closed, you already had a path that was open to you. And I think that's because you're very intuitive of God's call. You can feel it and you can sense it. And you're not afraid to to answer it. Yeah, that's something that's always been the driving force. Is I've never been afraid to answer God's call. Mm-hmm. It's just, who's going to let me answer God's call? Exactly. Such a great question. <laughs> that's such a great question. Y'all just get out of my way. <laughs> I've got, you know, I've got a path. Get out of my way. <laughs> That's the way it is for all queer people at this point, that if they would just leave us alone and let us live our life Mm -hmm. and love the God of our understanding and do our thing, we're not hurting anybody. We're just following our path. No, it's true. It's following it's it's following the path. And Mm -hmm. I have seen, you know, surveys recently where it's something of 75 percent or higher of where people were raised in the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And it's something to where. Yeah, I don't want uh, any other generations of queer people to have to choose between their identity or Jesus. Yes. I want them to be able to naturally integrate yes. those things. Yes. Um, and, and to know, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's the dream. I really believe. So we're raised in a my Pentecostal church, very much raised in this atmosphere of revival, atmosphere of, you know, we want the Lord to move. We want the Lord to do things. Well, I, I truly believe that like the revival is among queer people in America, mm. mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. this matter of what God is wanting to do is to raise up, you know, people who are going to be committed to who they are and committed to the gospel at, at, at the same time and really not committed to, like straight up, you know, just trying to convert people, but trade mm-hmm. committed to loving people as their neighbor. That's mm-hmm. the uh, truth that, well, the truth I believe that is core to my Methodist faith is you can't have personal holiness without social holiness. Hmm. You can't be holy before God personally unless you are truly working in society. For the wholeness and justice of your neighbors. Oh, I love that. And so that's the vision that I walk forward with is that people, that even people who don't like Christianity, um, <clears throat> still find hope and inspiration in the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's what matters most. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and that's why I wrote the memoir. Because I wanted people to stop dying because they couldn't reconcile their faith and their authenticity. So we are on similar paths. (laughs) You hold down the Methodists. I got the Episcopalians, (laughs) but we're, we've, we've come, we've come through what you guys are going through and we're, we're in a better spot. It's true. You have both of my best friends who are queer are Episcopalians. Cool. Um, And I actually would like to be part 
if I can be, a part of the formal talks about uniting our churches. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk around that, but that's a whole other conversation. We got another. It is. It is. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's great. So, so what is left incomplete in this conversation? Is there anything else that's on your heart that you want to say and tell us uh, before we have to end this evening? I I think it's just that people need to know that they. And never, never give up hope. Mm -hmm. To keep fighting day to day, knowing that no matter what we go through from the day to day, that God is with us. God will be faithful to us. And we just have to keep walking it out and believing that all things will work together. They might mm -hmm. not work together all in this life eventually work together for our good and also can you say that last part because it was a little bit garbled be sure to do yeah. what be sure to reach out and form communities because mm. there are going to be people who love you they just might not be the people that are around you right now mm -hmm. right oh that's beautiful yes that's right and vote consciously people <laughs> Yes. Vote, yes, in, definitely. vote in love. <laughs> definitely, definitely vote, definitely vote in love because we mm -hmm. don't, we don't need our rights to be rolled back. No. In the next 10 years. Yes. Preach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Dalton, this has been absolutely awesome. I'm so happy that we were able to have this conversation and I, I sense that we may be having more conversations in the future. <laughs> So, yes, I definitely be open to that. <laughs> okay, wonderful, wonderful. So, um, so how can people find you? Yeah, so um, people can find me. Uh, search Instagram. It's really simple. Pentecost, the number four LGBTQ. Okay. Or they can find us on Facebook at the International Association of Reconciling uh, Pentecostals and Charismatics. We wonderful. are currently a pretty small group uh, but we are wanting to start to get going in 20 involved we just we believe in you know we believe in lgbtq equality anti-racism feminism anti-ableism working um, to allow all minorities to fully flourish in their spirituality awesome awesome all right, so look up look up Dalton. You'll want to find him on Instagram at Pentecost for LGBTQ and the International Association of Reconciling Pentecostals and Charismatics on Facebook. Awesome. Dalton, thank you so, so very much for being here today. You're welcome. Have a blessed day. You have a blessed day too. And guys, listeners, thank you for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Dalton, go to the show page for Gay With God at empoweredmidge.podbean.com and I'll have all of his information there. And check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly group entitled My Faith Journey. And if you need any help, 
with your coming out or faith journey, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me. And remember, we only have one more Ask Me Anything with my memoir. I've been doing this since January, but we have one more coming up. And you're not going to want to miss it because I might have a special treat for you. So if you're on the Gay With God um, Facebook group, look for the link for the Ask Me Anything that's coming up in, in October. The October 12th, as a matter of fact, because it will launch on the on the 11th and I've got the the last Ask Me Anything on the 12th. And those of you who buy the memoir, you might want to be in a book club with me. So I'm planning to switch up the Ask Me Anything and make it the Gay With God book club because I can't give you guys up. I still want to talk to you. So anyway, that's how that's going to roll. So if you're listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship or queer, as we know from our friend Dalton, if you want to be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay or queer, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay or queer with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.